Welcome back to another episode of Ego Friendly, a podcast that promotes self-growth and positivity for listeners. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the different types of mental health disorders and ways to seek help from mental health professionals during the COVID-19 season. As an introduction to the Mental Illness Awareness Series, MIST for short, mental health issues ranges from sleep apnea, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, major depressive disorder, autism, schizophrenia, that ranges from individuals with different backgrounds and biological traits, differing from person to person. According to the DSM, there are approximately 20 disorders and 300 mental illnesses that are associated with the human condition. And out of the 300, most disorders and illnesses have no current remedy, such as Alzheimer's disease and schizophrenia, that is associated with the human condition and are still being studied upon. Today, we'll be discussing two types of mental illnesses that includes post-traumatic stress disorder and complex PTSD and ways to seek help for those that are affected by it, including colleagues, friends, and your close loved ones. So what is post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD for short? You might have heard a lot about it, or maybe you just hear um, PTSD itself. But it's a mental disorder, mental health condition that's triggered by terrifying events, either experiencing it or witnessing it uh, physically. Symptoms may include flashbacks, nightmares, and severe anxiety, as well as uncontrollable thoughts about an event. Most people who go through traumatic events may have temporarily difficult uh, difficulties adjusting and coping with their emotions, but with time and good self-care, maybe things will change. So those are the few symptoms that is associated with PTSD, but other ones include reliving, uh, flashbacks, hallucinations, nightmares of the incident, uh, having a lot of avoidance, avoiding people, places, things, or memories that remind the individual of the trauma, excessive arousal, so increased alertness, anger, fits of rage, irritability, or hatred, difficulty sleeping or concentrating, that you have negative thoughts or feelings, just guilt. And yeah, and young children may have show delays in things related to speech, motor skills, language in general. Now, causes are still being researched upon, but one of the primary causes for uh, PTSD or traumatic uh, is based on the traumatic events in one's life, such as uh, through the form of like a sexual or physical assault, the death of a loved one, an incident that happened, war or, na- or a natural disaster. And especially those who are at the front line, maybe the rescue workers or uh, people that have faced um, head-on, like witnessed the physical damage and deterioration of that specific event, they'll be more prone to develop PTSD. So think about soldiers, frontline workers, um, those people are the most affected by it. And complications for PTSD includes effects, uh, normal functioning, problems in social and work relationships, depression, drugs and alcohol abuse, eating disorders, and suicidal tendencies in severe cases. And these people could be triggered by, uh, you know, especially if there's like a lot of crowds, uh, so crowded spaces, people, places, things that appeal to their senses that might trigger maybe like a memory or a flashback that they have, sounds, images, feelings, smells, tastes, 
films, animals, and even one's tone, body positions, sensations, the weather conditions, time. Um, any of these, along with its combination, can make this individual more prone to remember uh, the vivid memories of a specific event and use that to trigger some form of trauma for themselves. Um, it can be subtle or it can be complex and obscure as clues in a uh, novel. So we hear cases, uh, we hear the, we see that there is a lot of dire um, characteristics and symptoms that is associated with PTSD, such as, you know, related to things like flashbacks, hallucinations, um, and the senses that can trigger one to um, sort of relive those horrifying memories. Uh, but now we're going to have to read, uh, you know, more details about people that have been through PTSD, what um, characteristics they appeal to, what caused them to have these occasions in life, and um, ways that they've learned to cope with that and specifically and so these stories are again personal and I probably will blur out the name of these individuals just for privacy sake but for the stories it's the thing that matters most and here we go so post-traumatic stress disorder carries him into the depths of fear and pain reliving images of death and destruction closing his eyes to night terrors at sundown and fighting through daily anxiety attacks eventually pushed him to the brink of suicide so he could put an end to the never-ending cycle. It wasn't until his second suicidal attempt that Air Force veteran and Air Force Installation and Mission Support Center Support Agreement Manager, I'll just blow the name, uh, Tim Keono, took steps to face his invisible scars and reach out for help. It was 2010, and he hadn't slept in more than four days, knowing he gets flashbacks of what he experienced during deployments to Saudi Arabia and Iraq. They were terrible, he states. I would wake up screaming and my wife would be scared out of desperation. I decided I was going to end it. His wife, Alessa, said it was very difficult for her to watch her husband suffer with no real diagnosis. You feel helpless, she said. I describe it as having an animal or child unable to speak, yet you know they're feeling something. You can see a look in their eyes that they're suffering, but you don't know what you can do to help them. Exhausted and going through a myriad of feelings, he swallowed numerous prescription drugs in the hopes of not waking up. Something inside him, however, made him reach out of his commander for help, letting her know what he'd done. He was admitted to the Los Angeles Veteran Affairs Hospital for a few days of observation and diagnosed with PTSD. This began his journey of living with the disorder instead of being a slave to it. His diagnosis came with some relief, but inks as well. I was scared yet relieved at the same time, Alessa said. It was a roller coaster of emotions. I was happy he was finally diagnosed, both, but both he and I know it would be a long and difficult journey at times. Even today, two deployments replay in the minds of the former security forces, military workers, uh, dog handlers, and logisticians. So I would link the rest of this article down below if you want to continue reading it. But we can definitely see from the experience of this individual who's, uh, um, who was part of the Air Force, a veteran, 
um, and it looks like he was involved in several deployments throughout um, other countries, um, specifically in countries that are tainted, uh, tarnished with war. And we see that, you know, he's definitely traumatized and it's almost unexpressible for other people to explain like how what emotions he's going through right and it's almost um hidden if that makes sense and you definitely see that you know there's symptoms like waking up screaming his wife would be scared out of desperation um having suicidal thoughts is another one that was in his uh, mind as well that had was happening and you know as as the wife said that kind of feel helpless. You we know they're suffering inside, but you really cannot do anything to help these individuals. So you know it's 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 definitely um, an issue that we have to kind of learn how to understand and give the room, give the individual the room and personal space to um, heal. And it's almost difficult, right? Even though you really care about this person, it's hard to find a way to um, kind of let go and let them sort of figure it out on their own in a way. Because you feel like if you were to have so much protectiveness in this individual, you wouldn't know what they'll do to you. And it's almost it's almost very conflicting and difficult and then like it's the circumstances and it's it's heartbreaking for both ends of the spectrums both the wife and also the air force veteran so yeah that is one story and another there's so much more stories out there that i highly recommend that you search up right this is only one of the thousands of the millions and bajillions of stories that where an individual does face uh, PTSD, either through witnessing a horrific account or if they've been through a circumstance in life that really changed their um, understanding, their perspective, um, and view of the world. And because of that, it's important to understand their perspectives uh, a little bit more. And we see this through the story of one individual, an Air Force veteran, but we have soldiers less um, this month, we celebrate Veterans Day and veterans, um, soldiers, any type of um, person who have fought in war, in a battle, or somewhere else, uh, they are the most prone to receiving um, PTSD. Um, people who are in the front line from an event, from a tragedy, maybe from a... Uh, probably not like a militarical event or something related to military, but things related to um, something grave, um, like witnessing the death of a loved one that may also kind of taper their own perception of the world as well. So it is, it is definitely a tragic issue. Um, so I highly recommend that we continue to read more about this case, learn more about the stories um, as a way to be more exposed to these individuals and lessen the sort of mental health stigma that is um, that has been occurring. So suggested ways to seek help for PTSD. So there are different, I guess, supplements that you can take one of which is antidepressants. We see in the story of the Air Force veteran that he diagnosed with prescription drugs and you know he's still in sort of the face of being diagnosed 
but you definitely see that it's one of the many few ways that an individual can be treated, um, but it does depend on different circumstances, um, depending on how tragic and how large scale of an issue is for that individual uh, compared to others, other individuals that are, are impact, diagnosed with PTSD. So one of the main uh, ways to be it, for it to be treated is antidepressants, which are drugs that are used specifically for treating viral infections. These medications are effective when taken with 48 hours after the symptoms occur. We also have cognitive behavior therapy, which is changing one's thought process. Exposure therapy is reliving the traumatic incident, kind of letting that individual talk about their incident and just sort of letting it all out um, as a way to, as a, as a therapeutic form, as a way to sort of uh, let all of their stress and anxiety and depression and all of that trauma like out, out of the bag so then they can have a way, have someone to listen to, to understand them, to sort of be in the back end and listen to that, um, to their struggles. We also have psychodynamic therapy, which is handling personal values and emotional conflicts. Uh, last one, which is a little bit different, uh, is something called the EMDR. Um, it's called Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, which means it's changing the thought process based on the series of eye movements. So we definitely see that changing thought process um, is one of them right where you can't really do anything like biologically or do something that is related to you know it's obviously it's related to the mind um, but we can change the way an individual thinks um, in a way to help ease their uh, inner stress and their trauma um, one of the best ways is definitely self-care so getting timely help and treatment following the treatment plan, and also taking the medications daily or whatever the time is as, prescri as prescribed by the psychologist or the clinical psychologist uh, or psychiatrist will definitely help. And specialists to consult, I mentioned two of them already, which is psychologists, right? It's a health professional who specializes on the scientific study of behavior and mental health processes, and a psychiatrist who is more into the clinical realm, which is specializing in the branch of medicine concerning with diagnosis and the treatment of mental illnesses, and one of which we, we talked here is PTSD. Now that we learned about PTSD, we're going to, ex to analyze another uh, form of PTSD. It's called Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. Um, complex post-traumatic stress disorder is almost another layer after uh, of PTSD. Um, it sometimes it's mistakenly assumed that it's the most recent um, traumatic events in a person's life is the one that brought them to their knees. However, just addressing that single event uh, may possibly be invalidating the experiences of a CPSD uh, sufferers. Therefore, it's important to recognize that those who suffer from CPSD may be experiencing feelings from all their traumatic exposure, uh, even if they try to address the most recent uh, traumatic event. So it's kind of PTSD, but experiencing a broader range of uh, experiences and trauma that an individual goes to. So CPSD relates to the trauma model of mental disorders and is associated with chronic sexual, psychological, and narcissistic abuse, physical abuse, or neglect. So things that are related to more uh, abusive, um, abuse type of uh, 
relationship where um, we might have a chronic intimate partner, um, domestic violence, uh, victims of prolonged workspace or school bullying, victims of kidnapping, um, atrocious, um, either atrocious actions, right, hostage situations, maybe if you are a victim of even trafficking, sweatshop workers. So these are more on a larger scale and these are more for cases that apply to the humanitarian level. While PTSD does affect people that are experiencing trauma in the realm of perhaps like an event, a specific event in general, CPSD occurs to more wide-scaled issues like human trafficking, um, workshop laborers, prisoners of war, concentration camp survivors, and situations can involve like the impact that the individual is trapped, it's sort of like metaphysically trapped somewhere. Um, they kind of feel limited or um, sort of con constrained in a way. And this can be caused by the prolonged feelings of terror, worthlessness, helplessness, and deformation of one's identity and sense of self. Uh, what are the causes for CPTSD? Now, we kind of mentioned a couple in the top already, but more things that are related to it are related to atrocious, uh, more atrocious behaviors or abusive relationships, such as domestic, emotional, or phys physical, or sexual abuse that can occur in the childhood, um, abuse, entrapment, kidnapping, slavery, imprisonment, gaslighting, crisis con conditions. Uh, if you take, if you took care of a mentally ill uh, family member, you might also be affected by that as well. So these are a couple of the causes that are impacted, are uh, that have impacted an individual's um, mental illness and caused PTSD. PTSD. Symptoms of complex post-traumatic stress disorder includes rage turning inward, eating disorders, depression, substance abuse. Um, doormat syndrome, which is basically choosing poor partners and trying to please someone who could never be pleased and trying to just resolve a relationship that is often um, one-sided. Uh, death, so things related to crime now, right? Violence. And being a control freak includes some of them. Um, others can include, there's a long list of actually symptoms for CPSD, and it does range on the impact of it. It can cause crimes or it can even cause harm for the individual themselves, including bait blaming, which is a practice of identifying a person or people responsible for creating a problem rather than identifying the way of dealing with a problem. Control me syndrome, which is uh, which describes a tendency which some people have to foster relationships with people who have controlling, narcissistic, antisocial, or acting out nature. We also have denial, which is believing or imagining that some painful or traumatic circumstance, event, or memory does not exist. So you're kind of just leaving it off the side. It did not happen. So things kind of related to just like hallucinations, kind of fear. Um, moving down the list, we also have things that is fear of abandonment and irrational to believe that one is in imminent danger of being personally rejected, discarded, or replaced. So again, it kind of links with you know the issues that 
and the circumstances that these individuals were um, prior in. So fear of abandonment, right? If you're kind of a victim of maybe like a prisoner, you might feel like you're always alone. You, you might feel that you're not supported. You're kind of rejecting, um, kind of isolated in general. You might also have low self-esteem, which is a common name for uh, a negatively distorted self-view, which is inconsistent with reality. Uh, it can also lead to things that are related to your bodily symptoms, like panic attacks. Short, intense episodes of fear anxiety, often accompanied by physical symptoms such as hyperventilating, shaking, sweating, and chills. And lastly, we have something called tunnel vision, which I think it's important to mention as well. Tunnel vision is a habit or tendency to only see or focus on a single priority while neglecting or ignoring other important priorities. So you might forget, like, you know, this one idea or this one task should be prioritized uh, compared to that list of other priorities. And it does kind of link with one of the original symptoms earlier, which includes, you know, um, just mem just forgetting about like events that an individual goes through in the past and just focusing on whatever the present moment is that is kind of in a way almost like a similar symptom compared to tunnel vision as well where individual uh, chooses to focus on this one single task and priority and neglects other important priorities as well so now we're going to move on to survivor stories of people who have been diagnosed with cptsd and I bring you to the story of Elf. Um, obviously, this is not the individual's real name, right? These are Their names are blurred for the privacy of the individual. Um, and I will link these articles down below if you have time to read them, and which I recommend. So we're going to read through Elf's story. And here we go. I came to OOTS shortly after beginning with my first true trauma therapist. She was the first to recognize my symptoms of CPTSD. Prior to that moment of realization, I was aware that I fit the label PTSD, but it never fully explained the totality of what I dealt with daily. My CPTSD developed from an extensive list of traumas from age 6 to 13. I've experienced trauma until about 6 months ago, which adds up to about 17 years of trauma. Those first seven were the most active, and when I attribute my de development of CPTSD too. I moved to another state with my family when I was six years old. I remember very little from before that time. My family disappeared to be the, oh, sorry, my family appeared to be the ideal middle class family. However, that was not the case. We hurt for money, and there was constant fighting between my parents and siblings. It forced me to become responsible for everyone's mental and physical health to my in my house. I was the mediator between conflicts, the maid, the comfort, the comforter, the protector, and much more. At such a young age, it was more than I should have ever been asked to do. But I did it to survive and protect my younger siblings. They became my reason to act the way I did, to live at all. I was not allowed to make mistakes and was punished for even the smallest incidents by my mother. I have found recently the strength to call her abusive both emotionally and physically. With this in the background, I learned to never speak out and to become the perfect child. Therefore, when the two people close to me became sexually abusive to me, I never spoke up. They were the worst of my childhood. 
Between then, I was traded to other people for favors, forced to hurt others, witnessed other being hurt, and was raped multiple times a day for about seven years. I grew to know my place in the world as a protector, and nothing more I had to worth I had worth to myself, but lived only to make sure others were safe. That brought me through many struggles in my life. I spent years in bouts of depressions and anxiety, experiencing flashbacks, anxiety attacks, and suicidal episodes before knowing what they truly were. The only response I got from my family was being yelled at, locked away, and told I should be better. To this day, they did not know the extent of my abuse and will never recognize the abuse they put me through. Finding OOTS has given me hope because at 23, I have resources and people that want to help me heal. I'm reminded daily that someone cares and that I am not alone. And that will just stop right there. Um, so definitely we see that there are connections to these symptoms, um, especially the causes of CPTSD that this individual goes through. Uh, we see that at a young age, uh, this individual, let's say this is she, uh, she was responsible for really being the protector of the family, right? Um, she was the maid, the comforter, the protector, and much more. And she was just there when the parents were fighting, the siblings were getting um, angry at one another, right? And that's definitely one thing that was really sort of a red flag because we see that um, having a family member that might have an incident at a young age um, when she was six years old, um, having that type of issue, um, she had to sort of be there and care for other people's mental and physical health in the house. And that took a toll in her physical and mental health as well. And we see this later on happening when she, uh, the, the two people she knew closer actually sexually abusive to her. And um, unfortunately, she was uh, a sexual... Um, assault victim for seven years she was a rape victim for seven years and we see that that also took uh that also affected how she um how she coped with cptsd and how she later on became diagnosed with cptsd um, and then we see the symptoms that are associated with the, the, the disorder including depression and anxiety experiencing flashbacks, anxiety attacks, and suicidal episodes um, of that individual in general. So we definitely see that, you know, the images come back, having anxiety attacks, suicide, that's another depression that, um, suicide, that's another exception to CPTSD. So definitely see that starting at a young age, um, it can definitely grow to become something a lot more intensive, Leading later on, right, she said she fit the label PTSD, but later on, it later led to CPTSD, right? So that's where um, she experienced trauma six months ago, which then adds up to 17 years of trauma. And as a result, she was diagnosed with CTSD. Her CPTSD developed over the years. So it shows that, you know, from a young age, that kind of incident can BTSC can later on become something a lot more worse and it like most mental illnesses exhibits in stages so you might have you know light stages of light symptoms and light effects to your illness but later on if you leave it off uh, like any health condition it is going to grow worse and we see that happening with CTPSD for this individual specifically
And now we're going to move on to the next uh, narrative, which is Kizzy's story. And again, the name is blurred for the privacy. And this is a totally different story. It still links with um, PTSD, um, CPTSD specifically, and we'll see how their story is. And the blog post will be linked down below. My form name is Kizzy, and I started OOTS in August 2014. After learning in 2013 that I've been raised in a family who has suffered from alcoholism and narcissistic personality disorder. I've developed complex PTSD, and that I, or at least parts of me, have been stuck in trauma time for most of my life. I came from a middle-class family, which for all intents and purposes looks normal. Nicely kept house, participated in community, took vacations. However, things were not the same behind closed doors. You see, my father was a high-functioning alcoholic, and tension and fear was pervasive in my family. For the longest time, I thought it was his addiction that was ground zero for my family's problems. We walked on eggshells, trying to please be quiet, reading the moods of my parents for any danger throughout childhood. Friday nights were the worst because my father would stumble home drunk, followed by silent but also palpable anger on my mother's part for the rest of the weekend. Wash, rinse, repeat, and the cycle continued. In my 20s, plagued by depression and anxiety, I sought the help of a therapist. I also started attending Adult Children of Alcoholics, ACOA, group. Both helped me to understand what addiction does to a family and that in mind I was the scapegoat and the lost child. My brother was the golden child and my mother was the enabler. Even knowing this, however, I am still constantly anxious and depressed. Eventually, I was diagnosed with chronic depression and prescribed Prozac, which I stayed on for decades and saw therapists off and on. Not much shift internally. I knew that my family was dysfunctional, but inside, I felt like I had endured something much more sinister and damaging, life-threatening almost. Was I simply being too sensitive? I had these times when I felt like the very ground beneath my feet tilted sideways and I was caught in a whirling vortex of anxiety and fear. Was I going crazy? I'll finish off with this last paragraph. I survived for most, almost three decades with a strong side showing outwardly and a fractured, frightened side hidden until in 2013, a number of things happened that led me to look for those missing pieces in earnest. I was in my 50s by then and my symptoms had worsened in part due to menopause, but other stresses as well, including a battle against ovarian cancer, my child heading off to university and the death of my father. I knew, I hoped, there had to be more to my story after decades of therapy and being on SSRI and still feeling this frightening something that I could not name or see or feel clearly. And I'll just finish more paragraphs. I find my way to OOTF. Where I learned the addition of addiction, my family suffers, narcissistic personality disorder. It took a while to see this convert to NPD behavior as abusive, but when the light went on finally, it was truly a eureka moment. I finally understood just how crazy and soul-crushing life has been in childhood, that I have been emotionally abused and neglected. The core wound in complex PTSD is to the spirit and soul of the abuse. It is ongoing, interpersonal, traumatizing by the abuser. 
In some cases, it is overt, physical slash sexual abuse, and other times it is more subtle or covert as it was for my family. But in the end, it all represents constant trauma with no hope to escape. So complex PTSD was the reason I was still struggling in life. I finally felt like I had all the pieces, which was a relief, but at that time, it was overwhelmingly frightening and representing and represented the loss of hope. I had to understand and accept that my family would never love me the way I needed and deserved, and that they were forever broken I must move on. There was so much grief and anger in my life then, and shortly after being diagnosed by my husband, my husband, sorry, my husband and I bought a retirement home in a small rural town and moved there alone. And I'll just stop right there and we will, we can read the rest of this uh, post as well. Amazing story by Kizzy. And we definitely see that this individual, uh, first off, has a history of uh, family members that are diagnosed with uh, mental health disorders. We see there's a narcissistic personality disorder, which we can cover in a future Mice episodes. Definitely see that later on, uh, her father was also suffering from alcoholism. You see that whenever he came home, he's always drunk, and he always had this anger towards um, the mother. And we see that that later on, having that childhood of sort of abuse and anxiety and depression by her 20s, it impacted her to seek help. And that's always such an important thing, right? Especially if you're ever stuck in a place where it's dark, like depression, anxiety, or any other mental illnesses or disorders, the best way that you can definitely change that narrative is when you actually seek help, whether that's through, especially right now, right? Um, getting help virtually online with a therapist, going through a clinic, finding help is essential to helping you garner that first step into changing your life and you definitely see that this individual took that initiative when they started joining ACOA when that later on they sort of researched more upon about not only their you know illness CPTSD but they also research on the illness that was pertaining in their family as well about learning about this alcoholism and narcissistic personality disorder that one of her parents had been through suffered from and because of that, that allowed her to really understand herself as a way to uh, understand the trauma and find a way to heal from the incident. Um, not fully heal, but one step closer to that process of learning and relearning their past. And I think this line at the end was really precious when they state, uh, I had to understand and accept that my family would never love me in the way I needed and deserved, and that they were forever broken and I must move on. And I thought that was such... Uh, sort of a strong line right it's this person's accepting that you know i will never have the same you know happy family or past as you know other people might have but i must learn to accept that i must learn to just live in this moment and just accept that uh you know she had been through so much there was so much grief so much anger and there could have been so much resentment from her family for what that I had done for her, what had scarred her, but the fact that she chose to really move on and learn about her herself and her conditions and her past, that allowed her to really focus on her present and find other people like-minded to her with her story, right? Um, especially with the ACOA group, the Adult Children of Alcoholics, that allowed her to be one step closer to community that would support her um, in the pro in the process of transitioning and finding help. 
And I think this is definitely important, especially if you ever know anyone who is impacted by this, by any type of disorder and illnesses, always finding a community with like-minded individuals is definitely important, especially right now, especially with media and the internet. There's so many uh, platforms and uh, groups and organizations out there that are willing to support individuals for their, their unique circumstances and conditions that will help them um, one step closer, right? pushing them into that first step into finding a way to change their lives. So that is with Kizu Stories. Now we'll move on to this treatment of CPTSD, and here are suggested ways to seek help. And the first one includes the removal of protection, the removal of and protection from the source of trauma and or abuse. So what these individuals would do is they will find ways or find objects or instances where they want to just relive their memories back and find a way to uh, learn more about sort of that specific incident in general and just relive it so that they they can just focus on that specific moment itself kind of like with what the original symptoms were so you want to make sure that you kind of remove and abstain these individuals from reaching that so they can just really focus on the present and keeping just items in their life simple right a calendar just marking the things so that it makes it a lot more efficient and neat and they don't have to be cluttered like you know especially with the trauma in their mind already they do not need physical uh, clutterness. Next is the acknowledgement of trauma as real, important, and undeserved, right? Just ex- just, just accepting the fact that, especially like Kizzy's story, that, you know, you can never repair yourself fully from that event because you've been through it, you survived, but just recognizing that you live through that moment, you've fought through that moment is more important and should be regarded highly rather than just reliving the past, like, I should have done this, um, and just realizing that you made through it, you were there, you're alive. Acknowledging that trauma came from something that was larger, stronger than the victim, and therefore should not uh, acknowledge that the trauma came from something that was stronger than the victim and therefore could not be avoided, right? It happened, really cannot change it, but what you can do right now is you can change your viewpoint yourself people that you surround yourself with the environments that you are in that will definitely propel you forward and acknowledging the complex nature of cpsd especially with those that are associated with these individuals maybe like a family member a colleague or a friend uh, responses to early traumas may have led to decisions that brought additional and undeserved trauma um, acknowledgement that recovery from the trauma is not trivial and will require significant time and effort, right? Acknowledging that it is, you know, the recovery journey, you might think is, you know, something that's really quick. I'm going to, you know, take these specific depressants and medications and magically it will be better. Um, but it is a long process, right? Just because the medical, cl- uh, me- medical, uh, in the medical in the medical realm where they give you the specific like you know time limit um, sometimes depending on different cases they might also have you you know continue taking on these medications even longer so it depends on how the individual is doing and just especially during that time when you're taking medications um, practicing self-care and practicing uh, ways to really limit yourself from 
experiencing or witnessing the trauma can definitely help and improve that in general but depending on different individuals it can last them throughout their whole lives and it can also last them for a short period but it depends on how long the trajectory is but it is a journey it is not something where it's only like two or three weeks and the individual is done um, it mental health conditions are perhaps one of the most complex uh, healing process out there so that's difficult um, next is the separation of residual problems into that the those that the victims can resolve so kind of like what I've said earlier right just f focusing on yourself on how you can change your personal perception right now of the present moment and learning to accept what you have with you versus the things that you've lost um, are the most important. You can choose to surround yourself with good people. You can choose to surround yourself with a community, with like-minded individuals. You can choose to seek help. And that is so important. And that is a lot better than having to do things for the sake of um, or just reliving that incident in general because you cannot, sadly, you cannot change that incident. And you know, the victims cannot resolve, like, you can't, you know, change the behavior of that one family member. Um, you kind of have to just acknowledge that, live with it, and grow from what they're experiencing. And mourning for what had been lost and cannot be recovered. Identification of what had been lost and be recovered. So just recognition and reflection of things that you cannot recover. And programs of recovery with focus on what can be improved in an individual's life. So there might be programs available. Um, there, therapy is also another one where individual. I mean, it depends on different individuals and how their instance, how they are feeling specifically. So it it really ranges from person to person. Some people might think a program is a lot better than someone who believes that uh, seeking help from a therapist is a lot better, right? But it depends on different individuals, and it depends on how big of a scale their issue is and but the overall mission is really to improve this individual's life by just acknowledging things that can be controlled uh placement in a supportive environment where the in where the individual can discover they are not alone and can receive validation for their successes support through their struggles right so forming a community a bond right that's definitely there as well and obviously we have prescription of antidepressants and medications um and lastly personal therapy to promote self-discovery -dis right nothing is better when you're by yourself and you're just there and you See yourself uh, rawly, face-to-face, -face, maybe in front of a reflection of a mirror and just learning to let go and learning to uh, focus on yourself and do activities related to self-care. And that is all that I have for this week's episode of the Maya series, Mental Illness Awareness Series of Eco-Friendly Podcasts. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will be back with the next episode.